You are listening to the End Around Podcast. I am Matt Tabeek, joined with AtlantaFalcons.com writers Kelsey Conway and Will McFadden. Guys, good to see you. Hey, what's up, Matt? How are you? Good to see you guys. What's up? Uh, Today we are talking about the Atlanta Falcons 2010-2019 All-Decade Team presented by American Family Insurance. (laughs) And we're just going to jump right in. We covered the defense and special teams guys last time. And let's talk some offense and just jump right into this, this group. Um, you know, the Falcons, you know, have been all about offense this decade. It's been their most successful decade in, in their 53 year existence. Um, in my opinion, it begins and ends with number two, Matt Ryan. But they have collected, what, 89 regular season wins, five postseason berths, three division titles, uh, a champion, an NFC championship title, and uh, as we all know, a, a trip to Super Bowl LI. Um, so let's go right through the list, guys, and then I want to get your thoughts. So on offense, quarterback Matt Ryan, the running back, is Michael Turner. Pullback Pat DeMarco, the receivers are Julio Jones and Roddy White. Tight end, Tony Gonzalez. Alex Mack is your center. The tackles, Jake Matthews and Tyson Clabo. And then you've got Justin Blaylock and Andy Levitre at guards. And then, interestingly enough, a flex position where Devonta Freeman's name appears. So we'll get into that running back situation in a minute. But the four unanimous picks, guys. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez. Any surprise there, Kelsey? Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you, what, what says what says you will? No, I mean you could argue that that those are three Hall of Famers and one Hall of Very Good player. Um, I mean yeah. it. It's really fun to think back to the offenses where they were all playing at the same time. Yeah. Um, you bring up the Hall of Fame thing, and you know, uh, there'll, there'll be plenty of time to debate, you know, yeah, those guys. Um, but one other name that may be tossed around when it's all said and done is, is Alex Mack. Um, he's had a heck of a career. Do you think he, if he can play another year, two, three, four years? I mean, I know he's kind of winding down, but should he be in that conversation? I, he, I mean, he, I think he should. Kelsey, you go ahead. I was going to say, I don't even think he needs to play that much longer for it to be a no-brainer, in my opinion. What about you, Will? I, I don't know if it's a no-brainer. I, I think I would vote him in 100%. I, I think the nature of Hall of Fame voting, center's not a sexy position, so I, I don't know how many people national media wise are aware of just how good Alex Mack is. I mean, he's only missed 11 games in his career and that came in one season in 2015 where he got injured. Uh, so, I mean, at offensive line durability is, is a very, very important factor and he's been as durable as anybody. And he's one of the leaders of this offense for sure. Well, I bring it up just because I, I just want to ask you guys, you know, when it comes to those unanimous picks, do you think that he should have been a unanimous pick? I think Todd McClure probably got some votes and, and took those away. And he was another very, very good Falcon center throughout his career. 
he didn't really play for much of the decade. So if, I mean, it's not James Stone. <laughs> like, if, if we're talking about if we're talking about Falcon centers, I mean, when I think about the 2010s, I'm gonna think about Alex Mack first and foremost. So I'm a little surprised he didn't, but it's probably because of some some people who voted who remember the Todd McClure era a little bit more. Okay, I, I was surprised that he wasn't. But Kelsey, any final thoughts on Alex Mack? No, I I agree with you. I, I was surprised that he wasn't. I mean, when you talk about the success this team has had, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been a large part of because Alex Mack um, and Will, when you were saying, you know, it's not the most sexy position. I, I read an article a couple of weeks ago, a CBS sports reporter. I forget who his name was, but uh, he put up his top 10 rankings for interior offensive linemen and he didn't have Alex Mack. So I wrote an article saying, you know, Alex Mack got snubbed. And then when I went and looked through Alex's uh, statistics, I mean, he's a six-time pro bowler. And I think that he definitely has the respect of his peers. But, you know, those aren't the people that vote on the Hall of Fame. So I'm assuming if he has that much respect with his peers, the people that vote in the Hall of Fame would give him the same type of respect. Well, there's no question that we we respect him, and uh, you know I'm I'm surprised he wasn't unanimous pick. But moving on, well, let's let's talk about a position where there is no debate, and that is wide receiver. Um, when you talk about Julio Jones and Roddy White guys, it's those two, and then there's for me, it's everybody else, and there's a wide margin. Uh, you know, I don't I don't even think it's close um, when you talk about where those two are and the rest of the pack especially in this decade. Um, what are your thoughts on Julio Jones and, and Roddy White? Is that, the strongest, is that the strongest position group? I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, but... Yeah, I, it's a, it's a no-brainer in those two. Like you said, um, there's been some really good players. Muhammad Sanu, Harry Douglas, um, Calvin Ridley's really good. But, I mean, when you look at the length of time Roddy did what he did for... And you just look at what Julio Jones does on a daily basis. It's a no-brainer. And for a position that I think a lot of people think, I don't really know if I want to invest in that wide receiver. I think I can just get by with, you know, a third or fourth round pick. I don't know. I think there's something to be said for sometimes, you know, it's worth, you know, really going after the guy you really want in the first round. And that was certainly the case with when the Falcons did that for Julio. Will, any thoughts on receivers, especially those two? I mean, yeah, like, honestly, the more interesting debate is who would be on third on that list. Third. Yeah. That's how good those two guys are. Like, it's it's right. just indisputable. And it, it's almost a shame that Roddy White's career has now been overlooked a little bit because he coincided with Julio Jones and the mantle was just immediately passed. But Roddy was a top seven receiver while he was at the peak during his career. And this was an era when Steve Smith was really playing really well. And, and you had Calvin Johnson and you had some other really good receivers. So we all know what, what Julio can do, but I think this is a good reminder of, you know, the fact that he was also unanimous speaks to just how good Roddy White was at the beginning of this run this decade. I just want to clarify some too, you know, when you, we're talking about position groups, obviously, there's no debate, you know, the quarterback position either. So it's not really a position group. It's a position. And to me, that's the, the best player on this team. 
this entire team, but we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, just one last thought. Yeah, on Roddy. I mean, in 20, I talk about that 2010 team all the time. You know, when Julio was still a junior at Alabama, you know, Roddy was leading the league in touchdowns and receptions, and that offense was was cranking. You know, they I think they won 13, 13 games. So, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's head and shoulders with that group. And same with the tight end. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, Hall of Famer. You know, Kelsey, I'll let you kick it off. But to me, the guy just redefined the entire position and how it was played. Um, he He's probably the best tight end to ever play in the game. Um, so they were, you know, we were fortunate to have him in Atlanta for a few years. Thoughts? Yeah. And I started covering the team in 2015. So I had missed when Tony Gonzalez was, you know, playing for the Falcons. But it was so much fun this past year, kind of delving into his history with him going into the Hall of Fame and all of the content we did, because I really didn't grasp just how good he was until I started, you know, watching some of his games, talking to his teammates, the owner, Rich McKay, about, you know, the impact Tony had. And I think when you look back on those seasons when he was with the Falcons, when I talked to him uh, before the Ring of Honor ceremony, he was like, we we were unstoppable. You had a young Julio Jones, Roddy White, me, and Matt Ryan. He, he was like, I don't know if there was a better skill group. And it's hard to argue with him. <laughs> yeah, that team was really good. I mean, they, they were an overtime loss in Pittsburgh to, to win in 14 games. But, uh, Will, thoughts on Tony G, and then I'm going to stick with you with the next question. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's always interesting to me when Tony kind of with all the hall of fame stuff was splitting everything between the Falcons and the chiefs. Cause I always think of him as a chief first and foremost, even though he ended his career in Atlanta. Um, But one of my favorite memories of Tony Gonzalez as a player actually involved the Falcons. And I think it was during the 2004 season. It may have been 2005 the Falcons went on the road to Kansas City and just got their butt whooped. And Tony Gonzalez was the best player on the field by a mile. And so when we fast forward to him joining the Falcons, I was incredibly excited. You know, they yeah. already had brought in Michael Turner to really boost the run game. And now they gave Matt Ryan a player who I think really advanced his learning curve. I think having the ability to have somebody who is so reliable in the middle of the field helped him go off of his first read a little bit more quickly and learn to look at the whole field because he knew Tony Gonzalez was open somewhere. Even if he wasn't the first read, even if he wasn't the second read, he had a go-to guy in the middle of the field pretty much on every play. I mean, Tony Gonzalez was incredible for Atlanta. Yeah, he was. And, and the thing that he brought to this team uh, was his work ethic, his his expectations, his leadership, things you can't really you know, quantify on a stat sheet. Um, you know, and when we had our roundtable discussion, which should be out by the time this podcast slash video is out, that's one of the things that I noted about Tony Gonzalez. When you talk to his former teammates, the one thing they talk about is just his ridiculous work ethic and the amount of balls he caught at practice and how he would get on guys. And he was already a Hall of Famer. And, and you know, guys looked at him going, whoa, we need to step it up. Uh, because if the Hall of Famer is out here doing it, we better. So that said, is there any names on this list, Will, that surprises you? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say there's any that surprise me. Maybe 
maybe Tyson Claybo. You could argue Ryan Schrader could be there in, instead of Tyson Claybo, but that that's really nitpicky at this point because when you talk about the Falcons' 2010 decade, it's offense first, period. There's no argument to be made that really on any given year, some of the defenses were as good as the offense, but I don't know if there was a team this decade that you could say was defense-led. So that is a testament to the offensive talent and in a lot of cases, it was clear-cut talent. It was the starter was the best at that position for a while. So I think that's why you're seeing four unanimous guys, you know, at a, a third of the offensive roster are unanimous. It, it, they just had some a crazy amount of talent on offense. I don't know. I'll go back to that 2010 team. That defense was pretty good. Kelsey, what about you? <laughs> Um, I agree with Will. Uh, I, I wasn't really shocked by any of these uh, players, and it was really fun to kind of go back and look, and you're like, oh, I forgot about like how good Patrick DeMarco was. Um, you know, some of these guys that they've moved on, but you know, when they were in Atlanta, they were they were really um, really good, and they were really big help to the offensive success you guys both talked about. It's funny you bring up Patrick DeMarco. <laughs> I get questions about that guy. <laughs> Every week from our fans, they just love him. They don't want to let go and they want to bring him back here. He can retire and come back here and our fans will be happy. I got one for you. How about imagine if Patrick DeMarco didn't play in Atlanta, who would you have picked to be your fullback on this roster? Woof. I don't know. Obi Mahaley. It's a hard, hard question. <laughs> it is. They have not been fullback rich here. Um, outside of DeMarco. Um, all right, so any names missing from this list, Kelsey? I know we've kind of beaten this up pretty good as far as surprises, non-surprises, but anybody on this list that should be on it? No, but I, I wish that there could be a third receiver because like Will mentioned earlier, I think that would be a really fun debate. And I think that in time, depending on how long Calvin Ridley plays here, he'd... Uh, He'd be right up there. Not saying he would be before Roddy White or Julio Jones. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely giving respect to those two. But I think he would definitely, if there was an extra spot, I think he could be on the list in a couple years. Yeah, I think he'll be, uh, a, if he keeps it up, he'll be a prominent name on that next all-decade team. <laughs> uh, I think that's where his his future is. Uh, he still needs to break 1,000 yards receiving in, in a season first, too, for me. But uh, what about you, Will? No, I mean, I, I agree. I think Calvin's the leader in the clubhouse for for next season. Um, I think Austin Hooper got a really tough draw. If we're looking at it like a March Madness bracket, he's one of those like, you know, 14 seed, three seed <laughs> matchups. And I think we just should recognize that he was a good player during his career. He got better every single year. He's still a young tight end. I think he's going to have a good career in, in the league. Obviously had a career year last year. So, if Tony Gonzalez, if you just had an average replacement level tight end, probably in Atlanta for Tony's years, I think Austin Hooper is on this list. So, but you know, you're going up against a Hall of Famer, yeah. you're you're going to lose that matchup. <laughs> the guy that redefined the position, tough, tough draw for sure. Yeah, a little bit. But good. Like, I mean, nothing. I don't want to take anything away from Hooper either. I mean, he was good. He got better every single year. He was really young when he came into the league. Yep. Every year he improved, but. He's not Tony Gonzalez. Um, no. uh, all right, moving on. Moving on. Um, let's let's just get into this. This the, the big question everyone's talking about. 
Why is Matt Schaub on the list? Who is? <laughs> no, but we are going to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, who is the most important player on on the entire all-decade team? Who is the most important player this decade? Because we talk offense. It's got to be an offensive player. Uh, who Who's that guy? Kelsey? Matt Ryan, 100%. I think that... I mean, you've said it a lot so far just in this episode, but especially when you look on offense, like I go back and forth between, and I think we talk about it in our round table. Cause I think one of the questions was who is the best player and who is like the most impactful player. I think we separated the two and you can make a really good case for why that question is interesting because obviously you know, Matt Ryan's, in my opinion, the most important player because what when he what he took over, you know, after the Michael Vick era and just the consistency and the way he changed the franchise. I mean, if you look the last decade, it's like you said, it starts and ends with Matt Ryan. But Julio, in my opinion, is the best player. And I know that's not the question. And we'll get to that in the roundtable later. But it's interesting to bring up. Well, real quick, what are your thoughts on that? Who is who is the most important player on this team? I mean, it, yeah, if we're if we're using the word important, it's it's Matt Ryan solely because of the importance of the position. He's the only MVP in franchise history, a well-deserved. He that was a very, very good race with Tom Brady and surprisingly Derek Carr that season. That <laughs> still blows my mind. Um, but I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today about the number of times that Matt Ryan has had to throw the ball while not being able to set his feet. I mean, there was a play, there was a clip that was going around Twitter from 2008, his rookie year, that Bears game, when he makes that throw to Michael Jenkins on the left sideline to put them in position to win that game. He's getting rocked as he's letting that ball go. That's a rookie in probably his fourth game making a 50-yard throw to the sideline while a dude is tackling him. I mean, that's all you really Matt Ryan, and he's been that way ever since. Michael Jenkins, Matt Ryan, his first touchdown pass. Detroit. Yeah. You think Falcons football in 2010, you think Matt Ryan and Michael Jenkins. That's the that's the quarterback receiver connection right there. Roddy White. <laughs> but to me, you know what though, guys, to be fair, the best player and the most important player is Matt Ryan. Why Julio Jones to me is the best wide receiver in the league. I wrote that. But to me, the best player on this team is the guy who play, plays the best or plays the hardest most demanding position on the team. And without Matt Ryan, because they won without Julio, without Matt Ryan, they don't win 89 games and, 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 and get to the playoffs five times. No, no question about it. Um, real quick, we, we skipped over this, but I want to, I think it's a really important, Devontae Freeman, Michael Turner. When you look at their stats, just, just this decade, not... Turner's nine seasons, not the seasons before the decade, uh, because then it's not close. But when you look at just this decade, they're pretty comparable, those two, running-wise. Where they separated themselves, to me, is in the passing game. And you can make a really strong argument for Devontae Freeman. Now, as the all-around running back, I went with Turner, and he got my vote. But you can make a strong case for Devontae Freeman to be on this team, I think. Who wants to, who wants to just uh, agree, disagree? Well, how about it? Um, you're, 
you can make the case that he should be on the team, but he's in the right spot at the flex. Michael Turner is the, is the running back, and he's rightfully so. And it's for one reason only. Devontae Freeman was never the focal point of an offense this decade. He wasn't. It was either Matt Ryan or his Julio. Now, you could make the argument that that's solely because of when he came in the league. But in 2010, the Falcons were a run-first team. Michael Turner was the most important player on that offense because the offense ran through him. And to me, when I was making that decision and I made Michael Turner my running back, that was that was it for me because they're comparable. Devontae Freeman was a more pass-happy era, so he was kind of got more options as a receiver, but he was never the focal point of the offense the way that Michael Turner was towards the beginning of the decade, and that's what made the case for me. Huge discrepancy, though. Devontae Freeman had 257 catches this decade for two over 2,000 yards, 2,015 mm-hmm. yards. Turner had 48 catches for just 381. Also, I got it up on the screen here. Freeman had 11 touchdowns through touchdown catches versus Turner's one. So that's, to me, that often gets overlooked. Had Devontae Freeman, it's unfortunate that he got hit with the injuries at the end. But to me, if he had stayed healthy, there was a reason why he got that big contract. At the time, one of the highest paid running backs in history, right? So to me, if he stays healthy, he... He very well could have been the running back on this team. I voted for Turner, but it was tough for me. Matt, do you remember the conversation that we had where you looked at me like I was crazy, but it was 2017, and I turned to you and I said, is there a chance that we're watching the best running back in Falcons history, the best receiver in Falcons history, and the best quarterback in Falcons history all play on the same team? And it was and it was because Devontae Freeman was coming off such a great year. And so you're right. Had, had he continued at the pace that he started his career with the Falcons at, no question, I think he'd be the running back on this list, and it's unfortunate that it didn't turn out that way. I looked at you funny, by the way, because I thought you said the best running back in history, and I'm gone, because I love... Oh, uh, yeah, you made the case about Barry. You were like, well, I don't know, man. Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, they're pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, what are you thinking? But no, you're right. Kelsey, final thought, and then take it home. I voted for Michael Turner as well. Uh, I know this might not be something a lot of people agree with, but... I mean, running backs, for me, I are all about what they do running the ball. It's nice that they can be pass catchers, but what you do when you're running the ball, to me, makes my definition of, you know, what if what I was deciding between here. And, yeah, Devontae Freeman was a really good player, um, but he wasn't durable. And Michael Turner, like Will said, you the offense started – with him, like you knew exactly what you were getting every time he was handed the rock. So for me, it wasn't really a hard decision. Fair enough. Um, I will say when we talk about game changers and guys are re- redefined the position, you, you look at it like a, a Marshall Falk. And yep. he was the guy who was like one of the first receiving backs who kind of changed the way we look at running backs. But great point. Guys, thanks, I- for, uh, thanks for joining uh, me here. And it was fun talking about this all-decade team presented by American Family Insurance. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, who headlines that next decade. It looks like Calvin Ridley is, uh, is, is a leader in the clubhouse. And who knows how long Matt Ryan's going to play. He, he might be the quarterback next decade, too. So, <laughs> right now, Falcons fans, Falcons fans need to appreciate number two. Anyway. All right, guys. Check out our round table, the question, we didn't get to some of the questions, but there's a question in there that's really interesting. Who would you want to bring out of retirement?